Yesterday, uh, we talked to somebody from Israel. Today, we run across the pond and we do it again uh, from Shiloh, Israel, and uh, the founder of the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund, which is going to have some pretty great needs right now. Uh, Standing by is our very good friend, David Rubin. Uh, David, good afternoon to you, my good friend. Thank you. Uh, Good afternoon to you as well. Well, Uh, actually, for me, it's it's nighttime. Yeah, it's what for you, like about almost 20 till 11? Yep, that's where we are. Yeah, where, where, what'd you do today, honey? I talked to that fat guy in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and then I went to sleep. So, that's, um, yeah, so, I, I, I wish it was that simple. I wish that my my time was so so nice and easy and simple right now. Yeah, well, things in Israel are not simple since we've had this uh, uprising, this invasion of Israel coming out of Gaza uh, under the leadership of Hamas. Since all that has happened. Uh, there's a great bit of fear, trepidation, and oppression in a lot of places in Israel. And it's more, David, the more I read, it's more than just those who have been captured or those who have been shot. Uh, it, it's, a, it's thousands of people that have had their lives uh, almost flipped upside down financially, emotionally, and otherwise because of this attack by Hamas. That's right. That's right. There, look, there, there are the people who were victims of that massacre and and there there we're talking about 1200 civilians uh plus another couple of of soldiers uh then then you have all of those all of those who were wounded in that massacre and then in addition to that you have the many thousands some tens of thousands at least of 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 people and specifically children who are traumatized uh, from from that massacre, and of that uh, of those thousands, there there are an additional uh, thousands who who were traumatized the second or third time, or fourth time or fifth time, because uh, there there are c- certain places in the center of the country, including where where I live and and where our uh, therapeutic services are provided, where uh, there are so many people who have been victims of terror attacks. So you remember during the COVID crisis, everyone was talking about pre-existing conditions. That was the big expression right, right. that was going around. And so, so here we're talking about pre-existing psychological conditions, where children have already been traumatized from terrorism, and and now after this massacre, they're, they're traumatized 10 times over uh, because it, it was such a massive, massive attack. I was listening the other night uh, to a, a psychotherapist, and they said when you take, for example, the people that have a certain level of being traumatized as this event happened, those who have experienced things like this or similar to it before – they start at a higher level of trauma because it's like what happened to them before is happening all over again, and then it builds on and it becomes even worse. It's not like the first time. That's right. That's right. And that's why I talk about pre-existing conditions because that's exactly what it means. Uh, that you know, just as someone who has who has had a heart heart attack in the past, uh, who has a another heart. Uh, event, um, another trauma uh, having to do with his heart. So 
uh, that person has pre-existing conditions and and is is more susceptible to uh, having having that problem. So same thing, same thing in the psychological world and and in in uh, children's psychology especially, in which uh, a child has been traumatized previously and and suffers from some trauma, perhaps still if it hasn't been treated properly, and very often it's not. And and then a massacre of this of this magnitude, and you got big problems. So uh, so. Yeah, I know. I know that you and many of your listeners know that I'm the founder of the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund. Yes, sir. I founded after my three-year-old son and I were wounded in a terror attack, and uh, since since the massacre on on October 7th, uh, we've been working 24/7 on on getting the the treatments out to those those children who need it, and uh, so so. You know there are a lot of people that are standing with us. I know you have, and many of your listeners. And I, I once again will just encourage people to go to the, uh, to the, the web page, which is israelchildren.org. Right. Yeah, you don't have to remember the whole Shiloh Israel Children's Fund. Just go to Israel Children, all one word, Israel Children. Org, and you can do your gifting to uh, David Rubin's uh, foundation and the great work that they do, and it is a great work. Let me ask you a question, uh, David, and I don't want to take all your time tonight. I know you got to get to bed. Um, but when we look at the fact that it appears that some of this releasing of the hostages is nearing an end, uh, when it does come to an end, then what? I mean, then what are we faced with? Is, is there going to be some kind of a new deal? Will Israel and Hamas resume their fighting? I mean, I mean, how long do you think this is going to last? Because I don't see where it's to Israel's benefit just to let this thing go away. Right. I, I, I definitely agree with you that we, we've been kicking the can down the road too long. And here, here we have this, this hostage deal that was signed, that, that was agreed to. And there is an extension in place. Uh, there's the possibility of extending it by several days, and we're already into the first day of the extension. So I, I would not be surprised if it's extended another three days or so uh, until the end of the week, and then I think we're going to see a resumption of the fighting. I, I would expect that Hamas will make some kind of offer to continue the extension afterwards, because it's in their interest to have the ceasefire be extended for as long as possible. And also, every time we release 10 hostages, uh, excuse me, every time we receive 10 hostages, right. uh, we're receiving 10 Israeli civilians. Every time we, we receive those hostages, we're required, according to this deal, to release 30 terrorists. So... Uh, that's what's been happening every day. It's not publicized around the world uh, that when the terrorists are released, that everyone is celebrating in in all of the Arab towns and cities of Israel uh, that they're, they're being welcomed as heroes. And I think we need to remember that. I think it's very revealing. And I, I would hope that this, uh, that this hostage deal will not be extended more than a couple of days, and that, and, and that what everyone has been told will happen will happen, which is that 
the war will resume, Israel will continue going in full force, and will accomplish the goals, which are to destroy the Hamas terrorist organization. And and look, that's what war is. You know, so it's it's not pleasant. And in in order to win, though, you have to go in and and you have to fight, and and you have to do a lot of a uh, un, unpleasant. Uh, violent activities because that's the only way you're going to win a war. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. This is kind of wishy-washy. Okay, today we're going to have a ceasefire uh, for for a few days, and then we're going to go back in. Right. You can't do it that way. No. If you want to be effective, then you have to go in full force. And I understand the prime minister. It's a, it's not a an easy decision in the country that values life as we do. But uh, we, in order to win... Which, which has been promised, we have to go in there full force. Well, you do. Uh, I think, now this is just me, as you know, uh, I'm not the prime minister of Israel, nor do I look like him. Uh, but, <laughs> but it appears to me that when the prime minister tried to make uh, some movements at the start of this whole conflict, where he was telling those Arabs and everybody else who lived in the northern part of Hamas, or the northern part of, of Gaza, go south. We're going to come in. We're going to hit that northern part where we know um, where that's where the headquarters are. That's where the leaders are. We're going to come in and we're going to annihilate Hamas. You people need to get out. And it was Hamas that would not allow these people to go south. They turned them around and made them go back to the north, which is almost just like them hiding behind children all the time. Now they're hiding behind all their citizenry. If, in fact, Netanyahu and his government become convinced that all of the hostages that they have received are all of the hostages, do you expect Netanyahu to say, okay, you remember how we started this? That's how we're now going to finish it, and we're coming. Do you expect that? Oh, I I, I think he's going to say that no matter what, uh, or he may just do it. Uh, look, they, we know that the, the northern Gaza area, um, much has been accomplished. There is still a lot more to do, uh, but but I would say about 50% or more of the job has been done. And uh, but but there are still pockets of Hamas in northern Gaza, and they need to be eliminated. Uh, then then there is the south, whereas as you rightly pointed out, uh, that that many civilians have have fled to. Uh, but many Hamas terrorists have fled there as well. And, right. And so, so the the war will next shift after we're finished with northern Gaza. It's going to shift to southern Gaza, and and that's where that's where uh, the the fighting will resume. Uh, now, now down there, David, down there south of Gaza, you've got Egypt. Is Egypt going to try to appear to remain somewhat neutral? help you if they can, not overly help you, or will they be so ascribed that they feel like they need to stand with Hamas? Will Israel actually, or will, will Egypt actually become a problem if things have to go to the south? Oh, Israel, look, Egypt isn't going to enter the war on behalf of Hamas, uh, but they, they've been trying to remain neutral uh, because they, they like to negotiate deals and look good in the public eye. Right. Uh, but but the bottom line is that Egypt is a is a Muslim country, 
and and they they're, they're definitely not going to be standing with Israel, and, and they for that reason uh, they they're they're resistant to accepting uh, Hamas refugees. Now, I, 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 and I say that intentionally in that way, Hamas refugees, because I I want people to understand that there there is. The only difference between Hamas terrorists and Hamas civilians is that the Hamas terrorists are all armed, and many of the Hamas civilians aren't. That is the difference. Uh, there, there were hundreds of, of Gazan civilians who took part in the massacre on October 7th. We will never forget that. And in 2006, which was the last election, that was held in Gaza, in fact, the only election that was ever held in Gaza, as they were heavily pressured to have that election. And Jimmy Carter even went down to Gaza in 2006 to supervise the elections. And he said that they were free and fair elections. Uh, but they were the last elections because they don't believe in that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but, but in that election... Hamas got 53% of the vote. Fatah, which is the other terrorist organization uh, that has, uh, that is the Palestinian Authority uh, main terrorist uh, organization, uh, they got they got 40-something percent. So together, it was around 90% of the vote between the two main, uh, the two largest. Muslim terrorist organizations wow. in the Middle East. Yep, not not so, exactly anything that's going to make you feel like uh, democratic love for Israel is going to come out of all this. So, correct, uh, yeah. and it, it doesn't it doesn't make me uh, weep for the humanitarian needs of of those uh, of those Hamas and Fatah voters. Yep, David, uh, the clock, as you know, is my enemy, and I I need to run. I need to tell people. To make sure you go to israelchildren.org, that's israelchildren.org, give what you can. Um, all this money that comes into Shiloh Israel Children's Fund, they're going to use that for the benefit of Israeli children and to do what they can to help some of these people, some of these families. David, I hope you know, this is probably the 10th or 12th time we've talked together, I hope you know that as best we can uh, that the Pat Miller Program stands with you as we, as we can, and I, and I hope you know that. Well, I know that, and and I definitely appreciate it. Well, listen, thank you, my friend. Hopefully in, in a couple of weeks maybe we talk again, and somehow things have gotten better. Maybe Hamas is more hogtied, and they become less of a problem than they've been. Uh, who knows how this is going to go, but we'll pray for the best. Have a great evening, my friend. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate it. You bet it. Uh, David uh, Rubin, and he is there in Shiloh, Israel. And again, it's israelchildren.org. That's israelchildren.org podcasts by Federated Media.